Hey, welcome to episode 108 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how the practices are intended to lead us into the presence, which makes us more into the love. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk about catalytic moments that help us continue to develop a craving for God and His Word. Mm, all that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks for being on today, Pastor Todd. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. And yeah. I actually treat a form, thought I'd wear a hat so yes. we could be a little twinsy yes. today. Welcome to the to the show. I think I was not wearing a hat last week, which Whoa. was maybe just disconcerting to yeah. everybody. People so. would have been like, who is hosting that thing? Yeah, gradual change, you know. <laughs> so I'm not I'm trying to not, you know, just freak everybody out. So just a little bit of change bit by bit. Um and we're finally out of chapter one of First Peter. Yeah, we it made took it. literally you the whole time. Yeah. It took you five weeks, five but weeks. we're there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And I say that sarcastically. It's been a lot of fun to just. This is not like very um, normal HDC pace for a sermon series, which has been great. I think it's been a lot of fun to be able to just dig our way through a text and not feel like we're rushing to get to the next point or even glossing over things, but really be able to kind of take our time through it. Um, and there's so much richness and beauty in the first chapter. What do you feel like, you know, you'll get a break coming up this weekend, but after kind of five weeks of first Peter to start the year, what do you feel like the, um, just some of the highlights are to you or things that stand out from that kind of definitive break now that we're through in the first chapter? Yeah, I feel like one of the things for me personally in the study is getting to see those themes and threads that, and I love our culture that we have so many teachers. That's a huge gift. I was was thinking about, I, I preached five weeks in a row. That's really unique for our culture. Mm. And most pastors are preaching 50 in a row. So mm. I'm just like, oh, Lord. So I'm grateful for the team and the voices that God uses to communicate his word here at HCC. But it's been fun to have that body of chapter one to work through and to keep seeing how faith and hope keep bubbling mm. to the top. The reality of even these contrasting of perishable and imperishable. I don't think week to week, if we were changing as often in the first chapter, I would have seen those so clearly. Yeah. And that's, I love that. And it's, I think what it's doing, it's a huge equipping chapter. Uh, the, even as we stuck into the first part of two and Pastor Tom this weekend will go halfway into two. There's so much encouragement and exhortation and just kind of a, it's a, a grounding force for what's about to come in the middle of two. It's going to turn, turn. So I just, it's been a joy to get to not only preach it, but to get to process it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much there that is encouraging for the everyday believer. It's just such a, um, you can just tell that he's writing to a, a broad enough scope of issues. There's a couple of letters like that still have so much for us, but say like Galatians, it's this very, like these Judaizers have come to town and they are wrecking shop. What Peter's talking about here in the first Peter is like such a relatable, like just every Christian throughout history has gone through some level of difficulty and even questioning, am I missing out on a better life because I'm choosing this life with Christ? I can't even see him. I don't, like, am am I missing out in this whole thing? And just this real strong encouragement that 
this is the better thing that we've aimed our lives at. And it's better because it's imperishable and we have a faith and a hope in something that's imperishable. And so all of those factors, it's just, it's such a fun start to the letter because there's problems that are true for every Christian throughout all of time. And he's writing to a broad enough scope of issues that are really relatable for us, even though in America, we have it exponentially easier than any of the people that he's writing to. Um, it's still really relatable. So, um, I love his opening. It was a great, you know, the Super Bowl commercial was a great, uh, add to the, um, weekend. And I, I remember that one vividly. Like I remember it bringing tears to my eyes when I saw it. And I was like, I don't know how many people know what they're doing. I don't even know if they know what they're doing. You know, like what they're making much of is the right stuff. You're kind of explaining some of the gospel here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're meaning to or not. (laughs) So, um, it's a really cool idea, but this, um, you know, as we talked about this agape love towards one another, it just got me thinking, you know, really that is the trajectory of the Christian life that's set before us is nobody like comes to Christ and is just like, and I am agape now to (laughs) all the people around me. I've got this just deeply selfless love. It's like, no people really, that's a huge like need for growth in all of us to grow into that. But that's the goal of the Christian life. And yet we see when you think about elderly people in your mind, you see so few of them get softer and more loving and kind over time when you see so many of them become harder and more rigid and things like that. And I mean, Jesus says the world's going to know his disciples by their love. And you look at the church in America today and you're like, wow, I don't know that we look very loving. So I guess in our pursuit of becoming love, how do we, how do we keep that as the goal? How do we keep straining towards that and not, become what it seems like that just the entropy of life leads people to become how do we not fall into some of those pitfalls yeah and i think again knowing there's so much more to come in this book where peter's going to write to people who are suffering i think that's another reason why it's easy not to be loving because you have so much going on directed at you Mm. it's like i'm just kind of consuming my own junk you know i got a lot of problems a lot of trials, difficulties. And I know in season in my life, it's very easy to go there. Like, are you kidding me? I don't have a capacity for your stuff right now. I'm trying to keep my head above water about my stuff. So I think it's so fitting that he talks about the, and, and this, this is my, that was my way of getting to the answer. One of the things we have to be just kind of aware of is that Peter didn't, um, insinuate Peter didn't, Um, kind of hint at, he clearly said with an imperative verb, love one another deeply from the heart. Mm. So one thing we have to understand, and back to that upper room discourse with Jesus, love one another. It's not a a request. It's not a... My command I give to you. This is like a clear directive from God. So I think one of the things we have to settle into, how do we become that way? It's not the only piece to the puzzle. But one is we have to start with the premise, we're called to it. Yeah. Right? When Again, back to Jesus being asked what's the greatest commandment, it wasn't as though Jesus was being asked what's the greatest philosophical truth. A commandment is a directive. Yeah. So it wasn't asking what's, quote, most important. It was, but it was the most important 
directive, command that we are to do. So I think sometimes we can get lulled into the fact that, yes, every Christian is supposed to be loving, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's hard to do. People are jerks, you know, whatever, on and on. And to forget, okay, but with the same clarity you have of being a person of integrity, with the same clarity you have of being a person who is um, who serves mm-hmm. others, on and on the list goes, you have clarity of all these other things that following Jesus looks like in your life, but to minimize the one that Jesus said matters most yep. and to think of it as a novelty is to miss the whole point. And to even, I mean, all through the New Testament, you've got this love fulfills the law. Like if you become people of love, you're doing all the, like you almost don't even have to worry about the integrity and serving and because you're going to do all that stuff as you become people of love. There's this just supremacy to that value of becoming people of love. For sure. And, and we were talking before we went on air today, the idea of what did Jesus say? By this, yeah. your love for one another, people will know that you follow me, that you're mine. Yeah. And so again, that demark and and again, it just comes back to, obviously we have to be mindful of the biblical notion of love, right? It's kind of come into a secular age where to love someone means to do whatever they want or to do whatever makes them happy. Biblical love would say, I'm gonna do that which is in your best interest. Mm. And that's not always looks like love, yeah. but it sure is. And it definitely is sacrificial, back to the video you're referencing, every one of those images where how can I serve you yeah. without expecting anything in return? There's, yeah. there's no kickback from this. And um, so I just think as we process, we've got to come back to basics. And that's one of the most basic realities. And Jesus made it so clear that we cannot skip over that into other things. We cannot just kind of, again, find this kind of, uh, what's the word, value in, well, I know a lot of things. Great. What did James say? Look intently into the law and don't forget it. And the one who does it will be blessed. Mm. So it's got to land. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's got to become something that we do. And I think that that can feel really, even us putting this stress on it, that's the appropriate stress on this value for us as Christians, can feel really maybe deflating for some people of like, I just don't, if I were to get really honest with myself, I'm just way too selfish and way too busy and way too preoccupied with me to be love to people that way. And he doesn't like really uh, give good brackets to who these people are that were, it's like brothers and sisters. For us, that is a bunch of people here at High Desert Church. Like that is so many people that that can begin to feel really overwhelming to how could I even become somebody who has a sensitivity and a desire and a longing to love these people. And I, I think that we can't get away from the fact that the way that we love people is going and the way that we're even transformed into people of love is being in the presence of God. It is the, there's all these great practices that we have, these spiritual disciplines that we've built into our lives, but every single one of those, whether attending church or being in a small group or reading God's word or praying or whatever, they're all supposed to be these portals, these things that get us into the presence of God. It's not 
that there's some magic sauce about the practices. It's always been about the presence. The practices lead us to the presence and it's in the presence that we're transformed. Yet I feel like for many of us, our process of transformation is very like, I'm just going to grit my teeth and I'm just going to try, I'm going to try to love you harder. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that doesn't ever work or come off well, because if I had the ability to do it on my own, in my own strength, I wouldn't need a savior. I wouldn't need God to come in his agape love for me and give his life for me. It's only through that and only through my daily experience of his presence that that's paved the way for that I can ever increasingly be transformed into a person of love. And if our connection to God or our theology about God does not view him as loving in his disposition towards us, we're going to have a really hard time being loving towards other people when we feel guilted and shamed by God all the time. And like, we never measure up and we fall short. It's like, man, I don't know how we will become these people of love when we're reading his tone so poorly, you know, we're not seeing his tone when we read through scripture or things like that. So it's really, for me, I feel like there's so much of that. If we do not become people of the presence of God, then we cannot expect to be people who emulate the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, that's really well said. <clears throat> I think back to that phrase, you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not receiving that kind of love, if you don't understand of the four loves we looked at this weekend, the agape love of God towards you, I don't know how you give that away. Yeah. So those are that axiom is very true. And I also think that's the beautiful thing. Then I also know people who can bask in the love of God but feel no inclination to give it away. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to keep receiving from the Lord and y'all are a bunch of idiots, yeah. you know? And so it's kind of that great dual thing. And, and it's, it's getting got organic images to it of, of like water in a cup. I, I can dump my cup into someone else's cup, but if there's nothing there to give, it's just air. Yeah. And on the other hand, if I am receiving in my cup and it's overflowing and just spilling all over the ground and, not I, I don't even have enough room to maintain it myself receive it myself well that's because it's meant to give away yeah and so it's that dual reality of inflow that uh, the conference we're at this weekend had a seminar that was really well done a general session about inflow overflow and outflow mm. and how those realities are what always need to be going on in our lives mm. so on the one hand we don't want to become that cul-de-sac but on the other hand all my efforts to try to love people out of my own strength are just going to be, you know, yeah. and they're meant to be much more just natural as the the movement of the spirit in my life mm. where I can surrender to self. I don't have to be selfish anymore and I can go, I can actually think of you ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, I think if you get honest with yourself, that is a huge change in any one of us mm. to think of somebody ahead of ourselves. That's just not, that's not the way any of us naturally default to doing things, which should make us all appreciate the very real need for the presence of God yeah. to transform us. Because if that doesn't happen, I could never fulfill this command that Jesus has given me to love the people around me, the people of his body. I got no shot at that 
if I'm not in the presence of God being transformed into the image of Christ ever increasingly over my life. But I, I like this. I, I appreciate this stress from Peter. And as you said this weekend and are even saying now this, like, man, we cannot gray out the command to love one another, which just feels like we've made it this, like, it's almost like, you know, Jesus's exchange with Pilate where Pilate's like, well, what is truth? And we're real frustrated right now with the world saying that. But I feel like the church is saying, well, what is love? Yeah. And it's like that we cannot get there because that is such a clear and important thing for us to emulate and become. And I, I don't know. I'm just getting the sense that we're becoming okay to become increasingly crotchety with really good theology. And it's like, I don't know where we find that comfort in scripture that that's okay for the life of the Christian. It's like, no, we need to be becoming ever softer, ever more loving. Yes, holding deeply to the things that are true and the convictions that we have built on the firm foundation of scripture, but ever loving to the people around us, ever self-sacrificial and, um, Am I on a am I on a track that it looks like my life's heading that way? I just think that's such a good evaluative question. Or you know, you go through First Corinthians thirteen and try to put your name in there and say, "Am I kind? Am I patient? Am I?" And I, I think those are just good regular rhythms for us to be doing because it seems as though culturally in the American church we're getting increasingly okay with good thinking, devoid of good living. Yeah. Well, and we look at the early church, right? And we look at even seasons of the church in the last 2,000 years. And when you see, you, I think you have this, this reality, like you've said, they were walking with this high value of the presence of God in their lives. But again, that overflows into things. It's not a cul-de-sac. And they were linking arms with one another. So this passage proves true in that love one another deeply from the heart but then the cool thing is their love didn't stop there that's when true radical um, testimony was going into communities was because of the selfless love of believers who were rescuing babies left out in the cold mm. who were serving those who were sick and terminally ill who were submitting to government officials who were even the ones who were causing their suffering. I mean, they did these things, and that's what really caused people, I think, the gospel to grow, because it was so counter mm. to our typical humanity that is so mine and how do I protect it versus I'm trying to help better what is in the best interest of you. Mm. And I just think that whole process, that's where we see how the church has had incredible impact in the culture, not by, do you not know what we know? Not by, let me just shout louder mm. the truths that you should get on board with. It's always demonstrated in loving action that causes people to go, I don't have a box What's for going that. on? Yeah. Who does that? Yeah. You know? And so that's why we, that's why, and we're going to see this more and more throughout Peter's letter. That's the posture that we're to have in everyday life, but especially in the face of suffering. Mm. Yeah. I think it's so huge to where he's going with this idea mm. of suffering because that's the, that's the testimony. That's the ushering in of the kingdom here and now is these people of love who will not stop loving 
though they're beat and bruised and they hurt each other at times and they just don't give up on loving each other self-sacrificially. And I just think that what's been really powerful for me is getting that starting point right has made this feel so much less exhausting to love people, um, less uh, like confusing, I think as well, because when you start with the presence of God, it just slows you down to begin with. You cannot be rushing and be in the presence of God. He doesn't run at that pace and you're too frantic and hurried to even make sense of where he is at the moment. So the level at which you need to slow down to start a day to say the breath in my lungs, the beat of my heart, everything around me held together in the presence of God right now in a way I could never fully appreciate. That is how deeply steeped I am in the presence of God right now, wherever I am. The way you have to slow down there becomes so much easier as you bring that slower pace to life to just sit across from somebody and not have this anxious presence across from them of I need to get stuff done today and I've got my to-do list, but to see them as an image bearer of God, to see needs or hurt or pain that might be in their life, it become when you get that starting point, it just naturally begins to flow throughout your day. And there will be things that try to speed you up and stress you out and stuff like that. But it just begins this like really natural starting point to just begin looking at people in love because you've slowed, you've begun by slowing down to the pace of the presence, which then allows you to be present with other people, which is ultimately like a crux that we need to be able to then now act in love. I need to see your needs first. And most of us are too busy to see the needs of people around us. And then as we do that, you even start becoming aware of the needs of people that you don't even know, these strangers and people around you that you're like, I would have literally never noticed you prior to beginning to tap into the presence of God as my starting point. And the other beautiful thing is just the strengthening of the spirit along the way. God wants us to obey him. He wants us to love people in this way. So you don't have to be like all stressed out all day long, like how am I gonna love people? He's going to empower us to love people in ways that he's, to join him in ways that he's already loving people and to just be the hands and feet of Jesus. So it's this really cool, like, I don't have to freak out about it, but so long as I start here with the presence, it just kind of flows through the day in a way that's not this like striving, willful, effortful, I've got to do all this stuff, but just like, oh, I'm aware of things that I would not have been aware of otherwise. No, it's so good. And I wonder, <clears throat> you know, what has he been building in this same foundation has been a lot of hope, mm. a lot of trajectory of where our citizenship is now and where our home will be. And I almost wonder if, when you're talking about presence, being in the presence of God, being transformed by that, being able to be present to others. But I wonder if another part of First Peter 1 is the perspective. Because mm. in some ways, maybe another way to say it is, you know what? I can love you sacrificially because I'm not going to be doing that forever. Mm. <laughs> you know, meaning I will love you in eternity, but you're a punk and yeah. it's challenging and I want to give up. But my life here is short. Yeah. And I'm going to have eternity 
around the throne with people that God has perfected. Right? Yeah. And, and our love will be very different, you know, in that sense. Still probably selfless, but not without the, not with the challenges of sin. And I just wonder if perspective is helping this as well mm. in his kind of case he's building, a foundation he's laying. We'll see that in Pastor Tom's message this week is literally the cornerstone. It's the this foundation that's being built in the first, you know, chapter and a half of the book. But I wonder if the perspective is a part of the help as well. Yeah. That like we said, faith and hope won't be forever. Love will be. But love won't be this sounds weird. I don't think this hard. Yep. As it is yeah. now because it's got the buffer of sin that we're dealing with with each other. Yeah. It'll be sin a different in me, way of love. sin in you, sin all around us too. Yeah. That makes it very difficult for us to be loving to one another. Yeah, that's very true, because all of this imperishable stuff is all getting our eyes up off of, yeah, but it'd be a lot it'd be a lot nicer for me to just sit on my couch and enjoy Netflix or be this kind of consumer that goes throughout life and culture, because that's what our world tailors us to. And yeah, that's great. If you're living this life for this life, you should try to consume as much as possible. But if you're living this life for the next life, then you're not a consumer, but a giver. And so that changes the trajectory of your life, that perspective. Yeah, that's really good. And I, and I think, you know, as you're talking at the end of this message about this pure spiritual milk idea, it just got me thinking, man, a lot of people, a, lo- a lot of people read scripture a lot more than even at the time that Peter's writing this, where, you know, they're the people that are reading this letter are going to be like, great, can I trade you a Peter for a Paul? You know, like they're trying to like get different letters and access to scripture. And even when it comes to the, you know, Old Testament, it'd be like, maybe we could get our hands on Isaiah for a little bit and we'll have to swap it out for something else. So it's like not very present for them to have this scripture to be taught from or whatever. Um, But then for us today, everywhere, everybody's got the Bible on their phone. It's, It's accessible to everyone. And so it just got me thinking as you're talking about this like idea of longing for truly being fed spiritually, a lot of people have access to God's word. You know, you had a really profound statement about the way that we read God's word um, connected to even the idea of the Mona Lisa. I checked it out versus I sat with it. But this idea that if I sat with it, it's because I really believed that the presence of God is waiting for me here in the text to be revealed to me and for my life to be exposed to it and it to affect my life. Um, and, And so why is it so many people read scripture, but very few are changed by it into those people of love? How, how do I become one of those people that's changed by scripture and not just, you know, I read it. Yeah. Check in the box. Well, I again, this is what's powerful to me. It, it's it's powerful, but it it kind of makes sense that Peter would give that imperative verb love. I mean, command love y'all, love one another. This is an interesting one, and the second one we looked at made sense. Rid yourselves, push far, let there be a great distance between you and malice and envy and slander. But then this one, crave pure spiritual milk. Again, a departure from the imagery. I mean, there are probably challenges that some infants face who really are even allergic to a mother's milk or even don't want it. But generally speaking, this is how I get nourishment. I'm all about it. So that's the third imperative. He's actually directing us to develop a taste, develop a a flavor, develop a sense of appreciation, and even I can't wait to get more. 
right? Yeah. That's what craving is. And and I do think people have said this a lot over the years, and we haven't said it in a long time, but it's this inverse um, sense of pleasure. Things of the flesh will give an intense degree of pleasure initially, and then they'll fade. They're not mm. necessarily even all bad things, but anything that is appealing to my fleshly body, the ones that give highest pleasure quickly fade, and I've got to do something even bigger, bolder to, to try to get that back, create that back. That's what fuels addiction, right? Yeah. On the flip side, spiritual pleasure begins small and often wooden and challenging. That's what we talk about. At some point, you actually have to kind of start checking the box just to even get in the Word of God, because many of us don't do that because it doesn't sound interesting or fun or enjoyable. So the pleasure starts low, mm. but it's an inverse because as we get to know the God in the Word, not just the Word of God, as we get to know Him, we do want to know more because you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah. That's Peter's point. The reason why you should crave the Word of God is because you know you're getting to know this good God, mm. and that's where he's found. Like You can know him in a profound way in the revealed Word of God, just like, think of it this way, Peter got to walk with the Word, according mm. to John. The Word is with God, the Word was God. So Jesus was the Word, the ultimate example of embodiment of the character and nature of God. This is the next level yeah. <clears throat> that we have, and it's available, like you said, in every format that we can imagine. So I think there's always a beginning, and the beginning might feel wooden. It might feel like checking the box. The problem is, if I've been a Christian for any duration, and I've turned it into a box checking th experience, there's a problem, right? Yeah. And now it's like, God, is there something I'm doing wrong, approaching your word poorly, that doesn't elicit a sense of joy and pleasure and just, man, how rich is it to know mm. the God of the universe through his revealed word? Mm. And I often think, I don't really know that people who are intent really have that problem. Yeah, I just know too many people, especially new Christians, especially Christians who, and again, that really doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, they just have this value, I get to meet God in these pages. Mm. And that's what we want to cultivate in our lives. And maybe it is the premise of the second part of the imperative, because you've tasted that the Lord is good. Mm. <clears throat> have we tasted the goodness of God? Mm. And maybe that's what's deficient. Yeah. Well, and I would think it's probably one of those things that many have on some level, right? A camp high, yeah. a really impactful moment in worship. I, I think probably most people who have identified as a Christian or been walking with Christ for some time, that might have even started in one of those moments, um, but certainly have experienced some element of that. But either aren't taught, and maybe that's some on us as church leaders, man, we could do a much better job teaching how to cultivate that in your life on a daily basis. But don't take that that step to then begin cultivating it on a daily basis. I think it's a maybe somewhat like your teeth, you know, like you've got a you've got a dentist cleaning tomorrow. You can 
you can brush and floss all you want from now until that cleaning, but you cannot hide from the dentist what your habits are as much as you brush and floss right now, which I think is what a lot of Christians are in the mode of doing is this like little short sprint of, yeah, I'm in and I'm going to do all this stuff and it's a camp high or it's a, you know, January challenge and I do that thing and then I just kind of get back to whatever normal is for me. And whatever normal is for you, those are the habits that are shaping your experience of God. And so when you look at the decay in your life and you say, well, why? I, I brushed and flossed five or six times in one day. It's like, yeah, but what do you do every day? Those are the things, like you said, it's this really slow burn mm. to begin with. It's this really wooden start. As you begin brushing and flossing, it doesn't feel like it's changing anything. It doesn't feel like there's progress or movement. Um, but as you do it day over day, those habits shape what your teeth become. And in the same way, I think those habits begin to shape what our spiritual walk with God becomes. And the really important caveat there is motive for people like me who grew up in the church have a really hard time shaking a legalistic motive. I learned all the practices before my heart desired the Lord at all. And that's a great thing. I'm very thankful for it on a lot of fronts. But because of that, I knew how to do all of the things with devoid of any attachment to my heart or affection in my heart. And we, we don't do the practices because they're magical. We do the practices to enter the presence. I don't do the practices to make God happy with me. Jesus has accomplished that. And if I'm trying to do that, then I'm wasting energy because in Christ, being found in Christ, God is as happy with me as he will ever be for all of eternity. And so I can't change his happiness level with me. So if I'm reading scripture to make God happy, well, I'm going to run out of motivation real quick because he's already thrilled with me. And the problem is I'm going to think he's actually mad at me if I start doing it at that approach. But if I'm doing it to make him happy with me, I'm not going to enjoy the benefit of that. The, I need to move in my motivation to, I do this to enter into his presence. It's, you hear people say all the time, this isn't a religion, it's a relationship. I just think that started meaning nothing to nobody when it's a really good statement. It's a really true statement. This is about growing in intimacy with God over the course of your life. And what better place to start than in his revealed word, which objectively says stuff about who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what he expects of us. That's a great spot to start. If you want to grow in intimacy with somebody, you got love letters on love letters on love letters to start reading. You're behind. Like you get to just start going through and combing through the love that this God has for you. Um, that's a great spot to start when you're reading it with the intention of getting to know this great, the lover of the universe. I mean, the supreme love of the universe. When you're getting to know him through this, well, now that's beginning to change you. But I think when we're doing it so that he'll love us, so that yeah. he'll be happy with us, man, we're missing out on so much of the power. Yeah, and it, it really won't grow in that pleasure. Yeah. It'll be low for everyone initially, but with that correct motivation, that will grow over time because I truly am reading to get to know who this God is versus to try to please and yeah. check a, I'm still checking a box if yeah. it's the other way around. And the pleasure probably won't grow at all. Let's do this though. Let's be honest. Let's yeah. be honest for a second. Answer this question. 
how much proportionately did your love for God through getting to know him in his word grow because of Bible college and seminary? I don't know that it did. Oh. I, I, there's, there's a part of me that feels like my Bible turned into a textbook in that and it does for some area of true. my life, yeah. you know, and that I was stressed. I was really stressed in that, like there were a lot of deadlines and things like that. And so I found myself rushing instead of like taking time. Now, do I think it was helpful because it gave me the benefit of context and this deeper understanding of God? I think there were a lot of things that laid good foundation for me, but I think I walked out of college and seminary tired. And, and that's, but I, I think there's a part of that. That's like a really a me thing. That is a new thing that I'm learning, which is to do the stuff that I'm doing for God or with God powered by God. That's a new, that's a new thing for me because of my legalistic roots. I just know how to do stuff for God with God by myself. You know, I'm the one giving the energy to it. And that is exhausting and like a very, it's not come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so it felt like there's some stuff I'm really missing out on because I am exhausted following God. And I'm realizing, yeah, there's some huge stuff that I was missing out on because I'm not prayerfully going through everything that I'm doing and saying, Holy Spirit, please illuminate your word to me because I, I know that I don't have enough on my own to appreciate this and to even experience God. But I know you want me in your presence. You adore me and want me to grow in my adoration of you. And so you're not making it hard. But if I'm just going to sit here and try to like will myself into again, that just gritting my teeth into your presence, I'm never going to get there. And so Holy Spirit, would you lead me into the presence of God? Would you reveal in your word? Would you convict me of sin and make me just fertile ground for your work in my life? And my purpose, I don't know if I answered your question you did. well. My purpose for the question for sure wasn't to say you can't have an, a love and appreciation for the Bible without going to Bible college and seminary. Sure. Not at all. <clears throat> but it is what you said. It provided a context and a bedrock that then when the heart and the motivation and the pleasure mm-hmm. connected you it it made a whole lot more it's sense richer for sure because yeah. you knew things right structurally contextually authors times places that styles even and yeah, yeah genres context. within literature yeah. and this is my only point things like and I, I'm reticent to say, so go to another program. Sure. But I am saying things like HDCU, yep. things like Deep Dive that follows Rooted, if we will in, enter into those with a sense, again, of a humility, mm-hmm. like it's not about knowledge because knowledge puffs up, but it's also a sense of I'm getting tools, I'm developing a firm foundation by which in my own study, because we've said that for years at High Desert Church, we need to develop more self-feeders. Yeah. If people are coming 1.6 times a month and hearing a message, well, that's better than nothing, but it's surely but not. Sunday's not going to transform it's, your it's life. It's not going to be transformative, exactly. Yeah. And so my point is, is that I think we're in a season right now where we're offering some things for folks to be able to go, 
I want to get a better because I know for me, and again, it goes back to some personality and even life experience. That's when I was coming alive yeah. spiritually was in Bible college. And I just was realizing 18 years of, again, a lifer, being around the Bible, being around all things God, Christian school. But I'm in this space where now it's like, I'm choosing to do these things. And I'm going with this attitude of, I, grades still probably mattered to me, but I'm really getting to understand the, the realities, the historical context of these books, mm. these letters. And man, it's growing my faith. It's growing my perspective on the whole in that I really want to get to know this God better. Mm. And it and it began, and it didn't end there, but that really launched that walk where I would say all things Bible were just, um, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do right now. Yeah. Right? We're at youth group or we're in a weekend service. And we're supposed to be in the Bible and it's great. And well, it's fast. It's interesting. But man, it became this love relationship. Yeah. Birthed out of that. But it was in the context of a lot of knowledge. Yeah. So again, it's like we don't want to throw extremes. And because it's easy to go, well, knowledge just puffs you up. Well, it, it can. Yeah. But also, knowledge can give you a foundation that as you keep reading, you keep building upon. Yeah. Anyone who did the shred with us is so much better served because they have this broad, big picture of the Bible. Yeah. And every one of them had smiles on their faces when they hit day 24 and finally got to get into the New Testament. Yeah. And we're like, oh, man, there's a hopefulness here that wasn't in the old. God didn't change, but his revelation did. Because yeah. now it's incarnate. Yeah. in the person of Christ. And uh, man, it just got so good. And these perspective things, all I'm trying to say is there are tools that are out there, Yeah, whether it's HDC, whether it's Deep Dive, but there are tools that are out there that can accelerate that sense of just conceptual understanding that then can really build upon. Mm. And again, you don't have to go to Bible college or seminary to know the Word of God by no means, but you can develop a hunger for it, a craving for it, yeah. by sometimes some catalytic things that just help point you in the right direction. Yeah, no, that's really good. And that is why I'm such a huge fan of The Shred, is exactly that. I feel like you get some of that Bible college level of context when you read the Bible at that clip and at that scope, it's like, wow, I can, you're seeing for yourself some of the connections that, you know, Bible college profs are drawing for us because we're not reading the Bible at that speed. And it's like, hey, look at this, see how this connects, um, which is really beautiful. And I, and I think, you know, if I could give a parallel to what I'm, I'm even experiencing right now, I think in the same way that for me, I began to experience God through his word and I got, so hungry for it and I wanted to learn and I wanted to be in it in that same way I feel like God is I'm I've just begun to catch a glimmer of the presence of God in prayer which has been a very rote thing for me my whole life again you just do it because that's what we do or we do it as a transition on a weekend or whatever which is terrible um, but like that's what that's the box that it's been in and I've just begun to experience a glimmer of the presence of God in that, which is lighting me up and I'm so excited about it, but I'm horrible at praying. 
and it's very wooden right now and it feels like that slow burn but because i've caught that glimmer and i'm passionate see this is and this is where i think that idea is connecting if you're passionate about the presence of god because you catch a glimmer of it and you want more of it you will become insatiable about learning that thing. So I just bought like six books on prayer because I'm so all in on, like I want to learn and I'm super passionate now about learning in this area because I'm realizing, A, there's a deficit, but also I just, I caught a taste of meeting with God in that space and I'm getting to know him here, but getting to know him conversationally as well and putting those two, like that's, beautiful to put those two things together like we're starting to eat a spiritual meal over here in jackson's spiritual formation and so i'm getting excited about uh, yeah i'm gonna go hunt down more information on that not so i can become a prayer knowledge guy where i'm just walking around can't get my head in the door because i know how to pray so well but because man i i need guides like really quickly what you'll realize when you catch a glimpse of the presence, but then you realize I just can't get into the presence every day. And I, I'm not good at this. I don't like, even when you start reading scripture, you'll read a passage and you're like, wow, that is so rich and beautiful. And then you'll read the next one and you're like, what? Like that makes no sense at all. It's like, I need a guide. I need somebody to walk me through and show me how this section is just as beautiful and just as packed with God's presence as the previous one was. And in just the same way, I need a guide right now in teaching me how to pray. And so I think that when you begin to catch a glimmer of the presence of God, you're going to get passionate about learning in pursuing it. And I think that phrase, glimmer, a glimpse, is exactly that back-end statement. Yeah. Crave pure spiritual milk. Why? Now that you have tasted, yeah. the Lord is good. Yeah. So I think it's all coming together in the concepts of what you're saying that that's what we need is those catalytic moments when God shows us himself. He pulls back the, the drape a little bit yeah. for us to see who he is back there and realize, man, that's worth going after. That's yeah. worth buying six books on. That's worth shredding the Bible in 30 days. It's, it's worth it because I know God is so valuable yeah. and he waits on the other side of that, calls me into that. So I think, again, that taste yeah. is so important and once we begin tasting it like you said you're right we keep getting more hungry yeah and the more that you taste it regularly i think you take jesus up on his offer to follow him which is to restructure your whole life around him and that's what if you want to experience the presence of god on a daily regular basis you need to restructure your life around him everything else on the calendar comes second you know and so it's like how does my how do my priorities my commitments all of those things get reshaped around the presence of God. And that's where we begin becoming people of love is like, okay, I'm obsessed with him and my life reflects that. He's not a hobby on Sundays and he's not just something that I do to appease God, reading the Bible, checking the box of church. I've restructured my life around him and I, I now fall in the category of somebody who is following after Jesus, not just intellectually agreeing with him, thinking he's cool, or even in this kind of quasi-theological trying to earn my justification other ways that we've developed, like reading scripture to get right with God or going to church to get right with God. It's like you get a glimmer and a taste, and then that taste becomes a craving. Well, now you're going to restructure everything under following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
Well, this has been fun. Uh, been thanks for hanging with us. If you did, this was a long one. We, you know, we're talking about love and the Bible, so we're going to go long, I guess, you know, it comes with the territory maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Hope this has been helpful and encouraging to your faith. And, uh, if you've got a takeaway coming away from pastor Todd's message this weekend, you can let us know that there in the comments. Uh, we'd love to know that. Don't forget to like the video, uh, maybe share it with a friend and subscribe so that you get future tangible takeaways. That's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.